RadioMD. RadioMD.com. It's time for the Dr. Lee Vin Oker Show. Here's Dr. Lee. Hi, and welcome back to the show. Today, uh, we're talking about medical cannabis and some of the studies that are coming out related to it. My next guest, Dr. Christina Mayer, is a social epidemiologist. She's assistant professor in the Department of Behavioral and Community Health Sciences at University of Pittsburgh's Graduate School of Public Health. So welcome, Dr. Mayer. Thanks for being here. Thanks for having me. Um, so you, you were involved in a study, um, that found that in areas, obviously in states that had already, um, have, um, passed medical marijuana laws, um, that if there was an area that had a higher density of, uh, dispensaries, you were seeing, um, more hospitalizations. Um, could you tell us, well, first of all, how you even started to look at that? Sure. So let me start by saying that actually this study was limited to California only. Okay. Um, medical marijuana, of course, has been legalized in California now for uh, 15, 20 years or so. Wow. And so what we were doing, actually, we had locations of all medical marijuana dispensaries in one time period, and this was 2012. And from that, we were able to calculate sort of at a, throughout the entire state of California at the zip code level the density of these dispensaries per square mile, and we combined that with hospitalization admissions data from the state of California. So these were people coming to the hospital who had at least one overnight stay, and we looked at anyone who had a primary or a secondary code of either marijuana abuse or marijuana dependence. Mm -hmm. As you can imagine with marijuana, over 95% of these were abuse rather than dependence codes. And most of these also were secondary rather than primary diagnoses. So these were not, um, and, and then first I, I also want to ask you, um, because as I said, the state I'm in is starting to uh, get everyone together to apply for their license. They've passed the laws, but they have very strict um number of dispensaries that are going to be allowed. In California, once it was legalized for medical marijuana, did they have, you know, like certificate of need, you know, when you talk about a hospital, you can't have, you know, too many <laughs> in one area. Did they did they limit the dispensaries or did, could anyone start one and it could pop up anywhere? Well, so since California was sort of the test case for a lot of sort of the presence of medical marijuana dispensaries, the laws changed over time, and they also tended to be much more localized. So they were sort of, rather than statewide rules and regulations, they tended to be at the municipality level. And because it was illegal at the federal level for many, many years, um, it was sort of a haphazard, you know, in some cities and communities, they would open and then close and open and close, and other places they were more stable. But it sort of has stabilized over time. Um, and, you know, this is actually one of the reasons that we wanted to do this study. My primary research actually focuses on alcohol use. And we know there are very strong associations between alcohol outlets, either for selling for off-premise use, so like a liquor store, or on-premise mm -hmm. use, like a bar. It's related to, you know, drinking and driving, alcohol use, child abuse and neglect, you know, the list goes on and on. So mm -hmm. we wanted to sort of see whether medical marijuana dispensaries we're also, you know, had these associations in communities. Hmm, interesting. Now, you said it was a, a, a diagnosis um, 
because the science of dependence, you know, it, it, it's not as strong, obviously, as like yeah, other I, drugs. Obviously. Right. Um, but your people were reporting abuse, yet these were supposedly these were people that had a medical reason for marijuana or is that just naive because once this happened it was easy to get a prescription so if you had a problem with using it too much you didn't necessarily have to have a real um did they have another diagnosis for the reason they were having uh marijuana prescriptions so most of these people were, in, I mean, we don't know because we haven't talked to obviously every single right. physician. So these were you know, diagnosed by physicians in the hospitals. Um, but the thing about marijuana abuse, the definition of abuse, it's not just were you using marijuana or were you using marijuana to say cre- treat chronic pain. Um, it has abuse codes mean that it's sort of interfering with your daily life or your work mm-hmm. or other things. So typically the primary diagnoses were things like you know, injuries or other reasons that people were coming into the hospital. So this typically wasn't, say, a cancer patient who was coming in, they were having complications with their cancer and ended up in the hospital overnight, and then they would be secondarily diagnosed with an abuse code. That would not be the typical story. Oh, okay. So these were people that had motor vehicle accidents, might have had. Did some of them have also... uh, did you separate out the ones that maybe just had the marijuana versus, you know, because there's some controversy with motor vehicle accidents and, um, you know, sometimes there are people, they have both alcohol and marijuana in their, um, you know, toxicology tests. So, you know, it's hard to say whether there's, you know, it was the marijuana that caused the accident or what. Did, right, did you absolutely. Um, and so we, we did... It wasn't published in the manuscript or anything, but we did take the primary codes and we sort of took a list of, um, you know, things that we would assume people could potentially have medical marijuana, um, you know, sort of legitimate medical marijuana needs, such as cancer or, you know, chronic pain, things like that. And we, um, first of all, that was a minority of the primary codes were around those topics. And we actually, you know, we sort of re-ran the analyses or looked at it and didn't seem to make... Um, you know, that that number was small enough. It didn't really change any of these, oh. you know, dropping those people out of the study didn't make much of a difference. Oh, so it was that small. So, and how, how many more, I mean, how much, how many more hospitalizations related um, to the density of dispensaries in the area did you see? Well, we saw for, excuse me, one additional dispensary, um, Per square mile and a zip code was associated with an about an eight uh, sorry a seven percent increase in these hospitalizations for you know more or less marijuana abuse um, and you know another thing to note actually it's interesting that the hospitalizations with abuse or dependence codes so we looked at the dispensaries just cross sectionally at one point in time but the secondary part of the analysis we were actually looking at sort of where these dispensaries were located we found that they were located in you know, typically, you know, um, areas with lower incomes and other kinds of risk factors. But so just to note, the study period between 2001 and 2012, which was the period of the longitudinal information, uh, the first part of the analysis, the number of hospitalizations went with marijuana abuse codes went from about 17,000 to about 68,000. So wow. <laughs> um, obviously they increased, they've been increasing a lot over time. Wow. So over uh, like a 10-year period, uh, they have gone up. 
Um, yeah, so about that's four, you know, about four times more now, or huh. in 2012 versus 2001. Mm-hmm. Um, and I guess, you know, this study is a, an argument for the political side of the spectrum that is, but yet these people, when they had the abuse code, were they referred out? Did they really feel um, that it was an issue? And like I said, you didn't, you didn't know was an alcohol abuse admitted with it as a code, or this is just strictly you were just looking at people that then had the marijuana abuse code? Yeah, we were just looking at marijuana in this analysis. You know, we've done other studies looking at alcohol mm-hmm. and things with alcohol, right. but in this study it was limited to that. And, of course, this is a, you know, we had data for the entire state of California over 12 years, so we were not talking to individual patients. Right. There, you know, this wasn't a mixed-method study. We weren't getting that feedback from these people. This is sort of a secondary data analysis, so we can't, I can't speak to that specifically. Right. Um, so we just have a minute here. So what does this tell policymakers or states that are um, just starting um, to allow it? I mean, maybe you need to regulate the dispensaries a little better, right? Um, exactly. I think, you know, we're going the route of liberalization for both medical and recreational use. Mm-hmm. That's not going to change. I think we just need to be really careful and cautious when we think about, just as you said, limiting the number of dispensaries per area or making sure that they don't all end up in, say, you know, poor minority neighborhoods if it's going to increase use. So I just think yeah. speaking with policymakers and keeping an eye on that right. is really important. This is thank you so much. It's true. This is the Dr. Levin Oker Show on Radio MD. Stay tuned into your health.